Imperial Oil submits spill cleanup plan. A woman in crisis shot and critically injured by RCMP. New disturbing allegations of abuse in junior hockey. And the Narwhal sues the RCMP for attack on a journalist. Good morning. It's Thursday, February 14th. A little thing called Valentine's Day. I'm Nora, and here are your headlines brought to you with love. Imperial Oil has submitted a plan to start cleanup of a massive oil spill in Alberta, but none of the details of the plan have been released. More than 5,000 cubic meters of tailings overflowed from a dam at Imperial Oil's curl site north of Fort McMurray. Bob Weber with the Canadian Press reports that this alone would make it Alberta's largest spill. But there's also a separate nearby seepage at a tailings pond as well. There's no word on how much was spilled there, but the toxic tailings have pooled on the surface of the ground. These seepages have been happening since at least May, Weber reports. A previous attempt at a plan from Imperial Oil was submitted in December, but it wouldn't have cleaned up the spill until after the spring melt, ruled the regulator. This would continue to flow toxic sludge into the Firebag and Muskeg rivers. The new plan is supposed to do remediation earlier than spring and outline a communications plan for the public. Why it would be left to Imperial Oil to make a communications plan for the public and not something that government would just take over seems like a big gap in the control that the people of Alberta do not have over these large corporations. Now, if you search Imperial Oil and spills, you find that they've had quite a few in Canada in the last year. Back in September, Imperial Oil was responsible for about 600,000 litres of gas that spilled out of a storage tank and sparked a neighbourhood to evacuate in the north end of Sydney, Nova Scotia. They had to cut electricity to stop the possibility of fire starting. And this resulted in 48 million litres of untreated wastewater going directly into the Sydney harbour, reported CBC Nova Scotia. In August, 55,000 litres of produced water spilled out of a Norman Wells pipeline in the Northwest Territories. Produced water is treated water that is pumped back to the surface in oil recovery. As a result, it's often contaminated with many substances, reported Global News. In 2021, Imperial Oil's net income was $2.4 billion. Staying in Alberta this morning... Airdrie RCMP shot and critically injured a woman who is having a mental health crisis. She is in critical condition. Carrie Funk's brother had called 911, worried about his sister's mental state as she got into her car and drove off. He was worried she might drive erratically, hurt someone, or hurt herself. Two hours later, she was in hospital, having been shot by police. Police had tracked Funk's car in Calgary via helicopter. When she left town, the police say she was driving erratically, so they threw down something called a spike device to stop the car. Now, here's a little aside on spike devices. Spike devices are really dangerous. PoliceMag.com warns that many officers have been injured and killed while deploying them. In an article about using spike devices, they write, quote, deploying tire deflation devices 
commonly known as spike strips, is among the most hazardous activities that law enforcement engages in during a vehicle pursuit, unquote. Back to Alberta. After they deployed the spike strip, police got into an altercation with Funk. Her family says that she was shot six times. Her brother, Billy Joe, told Global News that he's been replaying the events of the last day over and over in his mind. Global quoted him saying, quote, why didn't I struggle with her a little longer? Why didn't I take her keys away? Why didn't I chase her down with my van? But some people say I did the right thing by calling the cops over, Funk said while he was holding back tears. Now to junior hockey. Really disturbing details have come out after an Ontario Superior Court judge's decision to not certify a class action has revealed horrifying abuse allegations. The judge's ruling was based on technical grounds, but Paul Prevell, the judge, said that he didn't doubt the veracity of the claims that underpinned the class action. The judge's decision came out on February 3rd and first appeared by Martin Leclerc at Radio-Canada yesterday morning. First, here are the class action details. Three individuals brought forward a class action on behalf of 15,000 minor hockey players who played at some point over the past 50 years on the various 60 teams in the Western Minor Hockey League, the Ontario Hockey League, and the Quebec Minor Hockey League. The class action sought to get justice for the league's negligence to take complaints about repeated abuse seriously over the years, abuse that was particularly committed against minors. The class auction sought to target players, trainers, or managers of the teams who had, quote, encouraged, neglected, tolerated, hid, or in a loose and irresponsible manner, ignored abuse. A report written by Simon-Olivier Lorange and Mélanie Marquis in La Presse describes some of the details of the abuse the plaintiffs suffered. And a warning, these are complaints that are grotesque and horrifying, so if you'd prefer to turn down the sound and count to seven, you'll want to do that right now. Some of the actions, quote, haunted their adult lives, unquote, and included genital mutilation, rape with hockey sticks, having urine or feces sprayed on the players in repeated sessions of humiliation. One player said he was locked in a tour bus bathroom with seven other players for several hours. A lot of the abuse was done under the banner of hazing. The Minister of Sports, Pascal Saint-Ange, responded with clear denunciations, as these are pretty black and white examples of abuse. She said, quote, my message is clear, enough with initiations in all sports, not just hockey. I invite, not just invite, but ask all adults involved in the sport to put an end to these practices. It's easy to change. It's easy to stop. It stops now, unquote. Except, of course, none of this is easy, which is why it is so deeply rooted. I should mention that I think it's interesting that Saint-Ange makes the point of saying not just hockey. I mean, these are things that have been going on for years, and sure, there have been stories of similar disgusting hazing practices at football teams at certain universities in Canada, but I think back to the allegations surrounding the St. Mike's Hockey School in Toronto, other allegations of abuse wrapped up in so-called hazing. I mean, this is systemic. It is exactly how power is maintained and constructed within hockey, and the government needs to do far more than announcing that it stops now. This is news that I've only seen reported in French, thanks to the chronique written by Martin Leclerc. It had been shared quite a lot yesterday, and so it'll be interesting to see how Canadian English language media pick it up today. I imagine they will. 
But again, these are deep seated issues. And just because the class action was not successful doesn't mean that they're going away. And it certainly doesn't mean that it's not happening still. Now, the Canadian Hockey League issued a release. They welcomed the decision of the judge to reject the class action, but the league will take seriously abuse described in the court documents. I am not holding my breath, and I will just mention that one of the issues for the judge was that there wasn't a player from each team that was targeted in the class action. So very technical grounds for why it was thrown out. But I wish the three former players who tried to make this into a class action the best as they seek justice. Now, finally, with all the bad media news that you've been hearing on the Daily News podcast, I thought I'd throw in a bit of good news. If you don't know the Narwhal yet, you should. They're a newer independent news organization that focuses on climate reporting. They have broke some of the biggest climate stories of the past two years. Yesterday, the Narwhal's leadership announced that they plan to sue the RCMP for arrest of one of their photojournalists back in 2021. The Guardian's Leyland Checo is reporting that the Narwhal is going to sue the RCMP as it violated the rights of Amber Bracken, who was arrested during a police raid and held for three days before she was released. Bracken was working as a photojournalist for the Narwhal at the time. During the raid, several others were also arrested, land defenders and one other journalist. Bracken is one of Canada's best photojournalists, and she also happens to be super nice. That is some of my bias disclosed for you in this story. Checo quoted Carol Lynette, a co-founder of the Narwhal, saying, quote, Until now, Canadian police forces haven't had to face real consequences for their infringements on press freedom. But that stops today, unquote. The RCMP declined comment, citing the fact that there is an active claim against them, though they also said that they are, quote, seeking clarity to determine whether the RCMP had been served with the notice of civil claim. Those are your headlines for Tuesday, February 14th. I'm Nora, and not only is it Valentine's Day, but it is also Sandy and Nora Day. So listen for a new episode of the podcast to drop in a couple of hours.